nothing to see here, lads. It's all it's just just a Titan back there. It's just it's just a Titan. Welcome to episode 43 of the Narrative Wargamer Podcast, a non-competitive 40k podcast with a focus on fun and narrative gameplay, as well as hobby news and our latest hobby projects. I am Tony Rhodes, and tonight I'm joined by Dan Wellington. Hello. And Daniel Foley. That's that's me. I'm that one. <laughs> he is. He is uh, that one. And you're the other one. That, correct. Good. Glad we got that sorted it's gonna, out. Gonna be a very long evening, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it started already. This is why I cannot get two Dan's in the same room together. <laughs> but as always, before we get started, you can find us at Narrative Wargamer on Facebook, or you can follow us on Twitter at Narrative 40k and on Instagram at Narrative Wargamer. You can also contact us via email at narrativewargamer at gmail.com if you have any questions or if you would like to join us on a future episode, unless possibly your name is Dan, in which case we've probably already got enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we need uh, we need understudy Dans. Understudy yep. Dans? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Any prospective Dans out there who have an interest in 40k podcasting, let us know. <laughs> we could always use more, apparently. Yep can never have enough if you want to support the show and help us grow in a way other than being a dan co-host then you can do so by joining our patreon from only two dollars a month as a supporter you can listen to our bonus episodes on patreon and gain access to our patrons only group chats the support from our patrons helps us produce the show and goes towards awesome new content for you guys in the future finally if you want to support the show for free you can do by visiting the awesome folks over at Element Games for all your hobby supplies and gaming miniatures. Just use our affiliate link below to visit their web store, and that way any purchases you make will directly help support the podcast. Especially if you end up wanting to get any of those brand new shiny reveals as we've seen at Adepticon literally earlier today. <laughs> but for, links for everything are in the description below, so please check them out and get involved with the growing community. I have to mention something which is bothering me and and nobody's pointed it out yet and I and once you see it you can't unsee it but you know that the, like the Horus Heresy trailer um, have a look at Horus he looks like he's got a moustache on because they've overshaded his top lip <laughs> have they overshaded like, or have they CGI'd out a moustache maybe <laughs> speaking of <laughs> <laughs> well, he makes his way to every episode at the moment, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and Warhammer World, yeah. apparently. I, I mean... <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I love so that man. <laughs> we, we all do. <laughs> Henry Cabell, obviously. Yeah, sorry. It, to, to be honest, though, this has only come up in a patrons episode, I think. So it's like it's, it makes no sense in any other. Term. Just that I'm no, just going to be. I, yeah, I, 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 I think I think at this point Henry Cavill makes sense in all 40k circles. 
Oh, he does. I don't think, I don't think it's exclusive to our Patreon chat, so he's come up. <laughs> no. I think if you've been on the internet for the past few months uh, looking at Warhammer stuff, you've probably seen quite a lot of him. I, I, I did like, though. Um, did you see Peachy's post on Instagram? Yes. Yeah, I did. <laughs> that, Where he's CGI'd himself. CGI'd. What am I talking about? Posted his face on everybody else who uh, who was there, which is quite entertaining. Quite amusing. <laughs> he was like, what a day to take off work. <laughs> yeah. You would have uh, been kicking yourself. But, yes... <laughs> Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Dan Henry Cavill Appreciation Show. Oh, we've started. Sorry, I forgot we started. Hi, everybody. Hi. We're to- yeah, we've all started. <laughs> Doing a quiz is exciting. I love the quizzes. I'm going to win. Mm, we shall see about that. Yeah, I can attest that, indeed, Dan will win the quiz. That is true. Fair, fair play. Out, out of interest, Dan, have you, how, what's, your, what's your win win rate? with these quizzes um i have neither won nor lost one of these quizzes so you've not done one i i drew i believe in in the uh, in the original version in the original version yes i I believe um dan and dave when they first went to head said they actually drew I i think that was the case yeah i don't think i've been in one since then Okay. Well, be warned, Dan has a competitive streak with it. And a and a hundred percent win rate as well. Just oh. just throwing that out there. Just <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll see if by the end of Vigilus alone we end up with Dan alone, because he's isolated all his friends to exchange for points. <laughs> Amazing. So yes guys. Uh, that is going to be the main topic of tonight's show. Later on, we're going to be having our 40k fun facts, Vigilus Alone edition. And tonight it is going to be Dan versus Dan uh, to see who comes out with the most ridiculous 40k points in our quiz of random 40k facts. Yeah, I'm not really sure what it says about you if you win, to be honest. That I need to get out more? That would be... I mean, you need a hobby space back. This is, this is the only way you get your 40k fix. Yeah, yeah, I really need my space back. Well, before we get derailed further by the the Dan on Dan talk, um, then I suppose we'll get through the couple of announcements that we have this episode. So, first of all, we have reached a new milestone for the podcast, because just after the last episode went live... The podcast has actually now ticked over to 20,000 lifetime downloads. Wow, that's really good. Bow, bow, bow. 20,000 downloads. And the most ridiculous thing is that there are still people who are obviously discovering the show and working through the back catalogue because yeah. the old episodes still slowly keep increasing. Mm. And I think the first episode has nearly one and a half thousand downloads now. Which is ridiculous to think when I first recorded that. <laughs> Back in episode <laughs> one. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's great. It's amazing. And honestly, I mean, we're on episode 43 now of this podcast. And that in itself is just such an achievement. And I'm glad there are people out there who are just enjoying it. And it seems to just be ever-growing popularity. 
well done you because it is enjoy it is one it is enjoyable to listen to uh, but two it is a pleasure to be on as well because it's just a good laugh so well done you yeah thanks. and thanks for being here with me because i've enjoyed recording it with you guys no 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 but you're not the only ones to thank because we do also have our patreons to thank who um Again, Patrons have been slowly growing over the months and years, and this week, in fact, we do have a brand new Patreon to shout out. So, thank you, Jonathan Sharp. Hey! Of the Rifles. (laughs) The Rifles? Yeah, Sharp's Rifles. (laughs) I'm not familiar with... You're not... Oh my goodness. Right, we're going to have to have words after this, but carry on. (laughs) Well... Thank you, Jonathan, for supporting us. I am absolutely appalled you don't know who Sharp's Rifles are. Well, you'll have to educate me after the show. Maybe you can give me a quiz. (laughs) That's that's your uh, community spotlight, then. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, looking forward to that. Um, Otherwise, the one other thing that I do know plenty about, probably more so than anyone else in the world at this moment in time, it's the Crucible of War event happening at the end of the month in April. So this is, your, this is your weekly, fortnightly, or just whenever you get a chance to listen to this reminder that yes, the first ever narrative wargamer, narrative 40k event, the Crucible of War, is happening at the end of April, on April 30th, down in Belper at Tabletop Events. I've mentioned it a couple of times before now, and tickets are still available. So yeah, I think... It's going to be a brilliant event. I'm really looking forward to it. And yes, I have now got all of the mission details for all of the missions <laughs> created, typed up and written out. And there are potentially 17 of them that the Oof. players on the day will nice. be playing. I've said it I've said it before, but I'm actually more... Not that you, know, you put a load of work in, obviously, Tony, but I'm looking forward to actually meeting people in person. <laughs> Which yeah, so quite nice. It's like you. Nice. Yeah, yeah. We'll actually get both dams in the room. Oh dear, is it wise? <laughs> yeah, probably not. But I'm sure it'll be entertaining either way. Um, but yeah, honestly, like I mean, for me, yeah, like you know, put the work into making the event happen. But the whole reason why I want to make the event happen is because I want to meet the community. Like, I want to see people enjoying the game in this way. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to being there on the day. Like, I don't plan to play in the event. One, because I'm going to be busy sort of organizing and running it. But two, because I want to meet the people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I want to go around and see all the games. Yeah, I want to mingle. I want to be there seeing how people are enjoying the experience. And just really get to know the fans of the show and those who... Have signed the autograph. A new way. <laughs> Maybe not quite. <laughs> Pose yeah, for selfies. We'll saying, yeah, we'll be saying, "Oh, we knew him when he was just a a a a, 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 a small time podcaster, and now look at him. He's driving Ferraris and going to I don't know, forty k slash Warhammer." You know, soirees. There's definitely going to be some soirees. Parties with Henry Cavill. Yeah. No, we'll we'll get him on the show one day. 
That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Hey, if he if he wants to take part in some high quality premium 40k law courses, <laughs> I don't think he's got any other options. <laughs> nah. I'm sure I can create um, uh, a quiz purely around the Custodes and Constantine Valdorf. <laughs> but yeah, um, so tickets are still available at this moment in time, guys. If you do want to um, come check out the Crucible of War, it should be a great day of you know narrative wargaming. And honestly, I'm hoping it's going to be a unique experience on the day for each individual player. That's really sort of my goal here. And... Hopefully everybody gets to walk away with it with, you know, three awesome stories about three awesome games that we played. So um, again, links and details for all that are in the description below. Go check that out. You'll be able to see the event pack and the venue details and everything else. It's uh, it's going to be lots of fun. But also it's worth mentioning that the Crucible of War is taking a lot of inspiration from different sources and publications from Games Workshop in the last couple of years, including the Crusade mission packs. And actually, it might soon be the case that some of these missions, you might only get a chance to play at Crucible of War <laughs> or yeah. other such um, events in the future, because this is a little bit of a public service announcement for anyone who's been listening to the show for a long time and um, knows about you know our enthusiasm for the Crusade mission packs. But they've actually, most of them, recently moved to the um, last chance to buy section of the Games Workshop website. I feel this mm. might be a topic for another night because I have a lot of opinions on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's absolutely fine. I'm sure we could probably do a full segment on it, but I thought it'd be worth getting yes. the, the, uh, the word out now because we don't know how long they're going to be there or what you know the situation is going to yeah. be with them. But um, basically... All of the sort of like original mission packs and Warzone books, up to but not including the two most recent releases, Vigilus Alone and Wars of Faith, have now moved to Last Chance to Buy. Now, in all fairness, things like Beyond the Veil has been around now for what about eighteen months since the release of Ninth Edition. Yeah. yeah. Or is it yeah? Pretty much. You know. So that is kind of like fair enough i sort of get that but when things like catastrophe and containment are already you know and, moving and, to you know the octarius campaign book but you know not yeah. not 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 annoyed by that at all. i mean i've got it but not annoyed uh-huh. by that in the slightest at all <laughs> again can of worms <laughs> yeah but it's um it's something just to be aware of and that if you want to go pick up a copy of say maybe plague purge then now will be the time to do it before it's gone, or you'll be uh, scouting your third-party stockists for any that have, happen to have any left on the shelf. But they uh, are really good mission packs. It's like the missions in are. those things are really good. They they are really good. And like I say, I'm sure we'll probably get into it on another episode. But by virtue of the fact that Wars of Faith and Vigilus alone are not on that list, makes me feel that it's more like a rotation situation than a discontinuation, mm. or at least that's my hope. Yeah, I'm, I assume they just have a lot of stock that isn't doing anything. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, we've we've mentioned before that the biggest problem with those books is that they most of them started coming out in lockdown, so no one could play them. 
Yeah. So I think it's it's just a case of kind of that's catching up with them, isn't it? Yeah, mm. kind of. Like you said, at this point, um, considering that Adepticon has literally just come and gone, we still don't have what the next sort of announcement is in terms of 40k releases beyond codexes. So we don't know if or what Warzone books on the horizon or Crusade mission packs or what's fought. Um, I assume they'll be tied to the season model now, won't they? Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned it before that basically that's kind of what was already happening, just in every sense of yeah. name. <laughs> but now yeah. it's more officially a, a concept. That's definitely um, a thing so now. Yeah. So yeah, that's, um, like I say, hopefully by the time <laughs> you know this is out, which should be live in the next day or two, hopefully, um, they'll still be available to purchase on the Games Workshop website if you want them. Um, fortunately, I've already got a copy of all of them, but I would highly advise going and having a look and picking out maybe one at least that um, you think will be great for you. Um, i big fans in particular of Plague Purge and Beyond the Veil, since Wars of Faith is still kind of personally my favourite, but that one looks like it's going to be available for a bit longer than the yeah. others, so you might not need to rush for that one. So, yeah, I think that's probably about everything for the start of the show. So, unless either of you two want to derail me once more, we can probably jump uh, into the pits. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we just did that. We just just did that then. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. Paint station garrison. Right, we're back guys. So, since Dan had so much to say before the break, why don't we start with him and in our pit station garrison. What have you been up to, Dan? What have you been working on? That's not helpful. Yeah, which one? <laughs> first. Do you want to go first? I'll go first. first. I'll you go, go first. first. You go first. Uh, I, it's fairly simple for me. Um, last time I talked about doing some some cool Tyranids with my, with my sponge. Uh, nice purple and green scheme that I'm quite pleased with. It's, uh, it's gone quite well. It's quite fairly quick. I've I finished that job now. Uh, they're all packaged up and and uh, sent off in the warp. Um, and also, I mentioned some other stuff that I've been doing in the first quarter of the year, and I completely failed to remember to mention that I painted Mozrog Scragbad, uh, the snake bite orc character riding Big Chomper, the big great white squig. Um, did you go for a great white squig? I did. I, uh, I I did my own little spin on it, but it's very much inspired by the sort of um, the the box art, as it were. So he is a, a slightly purplish grey squig thing, uh, and Mosrog's there looking all orky and cool. He's uh, looking so, highly tattooed. Uh, a little bit. I did a little bit. Of, I did a rather than the black uh, kind of um, tribal sort of thing. I did a uh, a red and white sort of snake bite glyph on his arm nice to nice. fit a bit better because the the skin tone I, I use for my orcs is a bit darker than the the GW one um, yeah so that's that's what I've been up to thought I'd mention that again uh, yeah you, you, you've written something here in the notes about oh yes wars. I've um, my uh, 
my current project is a another commission. It's uh, uh, Caradron Overlords for uh, Age of Sigma. So but they're yeah. fun to paint. Flying dwarves. Uh, it's quite cool. Yeah. There is a uh, retribute armor spray, and and that's most of it. <laughs> oh yes, my uh, my top hobby tip is uh, gold retribute armor spray or or paint your gold of choice uh then skeleton horde contrast oh uh, yeah kiss. it yeah no it work. i can attest to that it's a really good combo it works very well i might yeah. have to try that because funnily enough i have also recently been painting some gold on some dwarves but not to such an extent yeah. so that's that's an interesting tip i'll have to try that one yeah it's it's it's, it's dead easy and really good Skeleton Horde Contrast. Yep. Oh, I'll add that to the list. Skeleton Horde Contrast is fast becoming pretty much my go-to paint. Like It's getting used for a lot of stuff now. Yeah, I would sort of put it in the sort of... Uh, what's the one I always used to use? Sepia. Is it Griffin Sepia? It's that Griffin kind Sepia of... or Seraphim yeah. Sepia is the, the yeah, newer version. The yeah, yeah. That, 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 it's, it's that kind of level of useful. Yeah. yeah. Funnily enough, the one for me like that recently has been um, uh, Corvus Black. That's become one of my go-to blacks if you don't want something to look like like a very flat, stark black. You know, that's like, you know, what would you like? You're a bad black spot, but something I use it for basically like cabling and tires and anything okay. that's like you know a black color, but you don't want it to look like. A, a very solid black. You want to like a soft black. Um, that's one of my favourite go-to. Like a charcoaly black. Yeah, um, but without having to do any tonal mixing, you know, to get it lighter or darker to where you want it to be. Just straight on, and it looks perfect for sort of like you know, like tires, cables, stuff like that. Cool. It's cool. Um, but yeah. Um, as for what I've been working on, um, I've been working on a couple of. Different things for my orcs, plus now that the Lamenters commission is all finished up, I've moved on to my next commission project, which is a dwarf blood bowl team. Hey. Nice. Um, so <laughs> I had a uh, an interesting brief when working on the, the paint scheme for them, because essentially um, the uh, they wanted a grey fatigues and orange armour, but wanted them to look like they were just dwarves who just rather than going to battle had put on sports gear right nice Which, you know still make them look very dwarfish and less american footballer do you know what i mean yeah okay yeah um so a darker orange was the uh, the recipe for the day and um yeah they're they're certainly interesting to work on, and I actually, they're one of these models that I think, or at least the scheme that I'm working with, suffers really, really badly from the ugly stage. It's <laughs> so one of these oh, ones right, where, yeah. like, there's about three different stages of ugly as you're working on it, and it just feels like this isn't working, this is horrible. Yeah. How is I'm, this going to come together? I'm at that at the moment, is what I'm doing. But yeah, part of the reason why it's like so not frustrating, but it's just you've got to have faith in the scheme is because working with the orange armor 
takes about four layers to get it looking like a solid color which just seems tedious as i'm doing it like i've i've, I've done six of the 12 players so far uh, no sorry five yeah. five of the um 12 players but fortunately two of them are slayers and basically have no armor on them so they'll be a lot quicker <laughs> to pick. So the five that I've done, I end up having to do um, three layers of Troll Slayer Orange, and then a layer of Griff Hound Contrast Orange, um, okay. because that last layer is what like darkens it down. You know, mm. it, it takes it from being a very bright orange to a sort of um, sort of like a, a, a dark... muddy. Not muddy, more like burning embers, you know, like dying embers. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that sort yeah. of like dark orange glow, warm, but like a warm but not bright orange. Um, but yeah, going through three layers of Troll Slayer, especially the first layer, it's just like, it looks terrible because it's so thin as a paint. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to go back and do it all again, and go back and do it all again, and then go back and do it all again. And by the time that third layer goes on, it's just about looking like a nice solid orange. Um, but the finished result, once I get the Griffhound on there, add some highlights and put on the gold trim, looks lovely. Especially when the white transfers go on and you've got like the Blood Bowl team sort of dwarven ruins. Yeah, those dwarf on ones are really nice. They are. It just really makes them pop in a lovely way. Um, but. The funny thing is that the counterpoint is that the rest of the model is so quick to paint, it's so lovely, because the Grey Fatigues <laughs> are basically just um, Administratum... Is it Administratum Grey? Um, yeah. yeah. Or Minotaurum Grey, maybe, I think it is. Whichever the, the inner spray can um, one is that Games Workshop does. <laughs> um, that's great, because it's that as the base you know, undercoat, then just with... Um, uh, Fenrisian grey contrast paint over the top. Nice. Or Space Wolf grey, or whatever it's called. <laughs> uh, and that's so quick and easy, and then just like the rest of them, and even doing the beards and the face and the hair and everything is just a nice little exercise because each of them has a slightly different colour of hair. And that's, a, that's actually a nice choice because while it might seem like you're adding more time because you're changing your colours up, it's actually creating that variety for yourself. So you're not just did, painting the tenth blonde dwarf. Did you do what I did with mine, which is for each positional player, you give them a different hair colour. <laughs> so the troll slayers are ginger, the longbeards are white, and then blonde for the runners. I did do and blonde then brown for the runners because he's got the shorter beard. He's the younger one. Stuff yeah. Like that. Um, a little bit. Uh, so what, the linesmen all have like different hair tones each. Um, yeah. I have. So I've basically done one of each position currently. Um, I haven't done like the second set, as it were, from the second half of the team. So yeah. I'll decide whether or not to match them or not. But we'll see. But having you know a ginger beard, a grey beard, a blonde beard, you know a brown beard, it, ju it just adds that little bit of variety to the project so it doesn't just feel like another thing you're doing repeatedly over and over and over again yeah I know that feeling <laughs> um, and then alongside that I've been working on a couple of tank busters for my ox which those are a lot of fun which cool. it's kind of funny how um, I took a, like a work in progress picture of them and I posted it on my Instagram and for some reason it instantly shot up within 24 hours to be my most liked Instagram post ever 
Uh, like, yes. It's a work in progress. The like, work in progress. Like five yeah, it's not even. It's not even like the nice, fully uh, photographed picture of the war boss with all these custom armor plates on him and background posing for the pictures nope. and all the rest of it. No, it's just that here's five tank busters that happen to be green orcs with brown leather. Apparently, it's weirdly common for uh, work in progress pictures to shoot up into becoming your most popular post. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that's a phenomenon. Maybe it's something about people um, getting more excited about the potential of what something can be than what it actually ends up being. Even if the finished product is very nice, it's still like, it's kind of at the end of the journey. So there's not as much excitement about it. I don't know. Maybe. In any case, I'm not going to complain about getting <laughs> some Instagram likes. I still enjoyed it. It's just, it just makes me laugh sometimes how obscure posts seem to be the ones that suddenly just do really well for unexplained reasons. Um, because now all that will happen is I'll be really excited about posting the finished pit post of those same five tank busters and I'll be really disappointed when it doesn't get anywhere near as many likes as the in-progress version Oof. of them. <laughs> but we'll see. So yeah. Um, and I finished the 10 Gretchen that I was working on since the last time we visited the pit station garrison because predictably they didn't take too long to do but they were a fun little um, unit to get done. Um, cool. So yeah, and then um, other than I assume, of course, you have tons of painting that you've been doing recently, lots of models and lots of things, because obviously you've had lots of dedicated time to work purely on hobby, and nothing else whatsoever has been taking up all your. No, it's been rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> it's been rubbish, and I've hated every minute of it because I have no room. I, I miss my uh. room. I love my room. No, I'm getting my. Um, hobby den converted i will know i will still be a garage hobbit but i will, will my garage hobbit is more like a, a luxury pad now than a than a hobbit hole nice um i suppose i did paint my garage that counts as a <laughs> yeah i mean it is hobby purposes um it's yeah. gonna be the hobby I, room you did painting yeah, in the hobby room I think yeah it exactly that counts i mean actually i i say that i i'm currently trying to paint a blood bowl team myself for a commission and i am going from room to room i'm painting currently painting it in my kitchen which is not the greatest of things because um i keep getting grubby little fingers keep sort of going what's that what's that um <laughs> but also, also the paint scheme as much as i um i i uh, this will give you a clue i am lamenting the uh, the paint scheme at the moment. Um, there, done that. Yeah. Got the checkered T-shirt. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not. It's not checkered, thank goodness. But it is yellow and black um, for a Skaven team, and I am. Oh, I've, I've, I've not escaped I mean, the yellow and black. Um, that's all right. uh, in the near future again as well as a. Uh, as Dan well knows, the next Space Marines in my commission list are Sides of the Emperor. Yeah. Yeah. So more. You yellow need to read. Green. If you if you haven't read it, because uh, I, I was listening to that podcast where you were discussing to it, uh, discussing it, you need to read uh, the great works of Belisarius Cool. Then you need to read that book. I feel like we mentioned that. You may have done. Uh, I just it you, you need to read it. <laughs> I'm mentioning but, it again. Yes. it's a really good book. <laughs> if you haven't read it, to. read it. 
I probably will do because uh, I always do like to be uh, reading Black Library fiction that's in line with what project I'm working on in real life. Cool. Which means I've read a lot of orc stuff. <laughs> orc. In that case, things where it's... orcs orcs are the um, antagonists mostly. <laughs> it's also a good audio book then. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, is is there much else done, or is it like you say, mostly just uh, waiting impatiently and yet excitedly with all the lots of impatient. Time. There's pacing. There's lots of pacing. <laughs> um, my floor, the floor's gone in, so I'm literally now just waiting for the stuff to turn up so I can basically turn it into a nice studio slash office slash. Uh, war room so it should be good fun lovely well maybe we can cheer you up with some injection of 40k fun so I think it's about time that we go head to head for the Dan v Dan 40k fun facts quiz so excited oh yeah are you enjoying the narrative wargamer podcast if you are why not check out our community Facebook group at Narrative Wargamer on Facebook. We share our latest hobby projects and narrative battles and aim to grow a community for casual and narrative 40k players. We're always excited to see the awesome things our listeners are working on and it is a great place to hang out with other like-minded hobbyists. You can also find us on Instagram at Narrative Wargamer and over on Twitter at Narrative40k for regular hobby updates on our 40k projects. You get to listen up now, and listen good. The boss has got a message for you all. It looks like some of the boys have been joining the war before they got themselves a proper pen job. How are you kids supposed to get any proper crumping done without a lucky blue chopper or dead flashy shooter, eh? The boss is going to be breaking heads if he captures any of you without a proper pen job. So get your ugly hides to the paint boy over at Narrative War Painter. He'll fix you up good and proper, you hear me? Narrative Wah Painter is now open for painting commissions. Specialising in good quality, army-wide standards, you can get a quote today by contacting me at narrativewargamer at gmail.com to discuss any potential hobby projects, and so I can help you conquer your horde of grey plastic. You can also check out examples of my work over on Instagram at narrativewargamer. What did I say? Right, you kids. Get your loot in the truck and zog off to the paint boy. It better be ready and faster when you get back. And make sure to tell them Red Tooth sent you. You might get some extra special. And we're back, guys. So we're now on to the spotlight topic for tonight, and it's going to be our 40k fun facts, Vigilus Alone. So this is going to be, for those who have not listened to one of these episodes before, maybe you're new to the show or you've not caught one of these in the past, but basically we're going to now uh, dive into all of these sort of like lore and narrative stuff from the most recent Warzone book, in this case Vigilus Alone. Um, and I've read through it all and I've picked out some of the particularly amusing, interesting, or just so 40k sort of like facts and moments that 
happen within the, the lore of these pages. And I've created a fun quiz for the Dans here to try and work their way through. So I'll present them with a number of questions across each of the rounds, and there'll be uh, multiple choice, A, B, and C, and they'll have to tell me which of these three options they believe is the true fact that actually happens in the narrative of this book, and which are the ones I have otherwise fabricated. Importantly, neither of, neither of us have read it yet. No, I can hear Dave actually cringe when you said 40k fact. <laughs> I can hear his, his whole being just oh, scrunch up into an angry ball. <laughs> Those definitely, definitively, undisputably true fictional facts. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the best kind of facts. So, uh, for those who have listened before, you'll know how this goes. I'll be keeping score as we go along um, for who has correctly guessed the most answers to each of these questions. Uh, and at the end of it all, we will have a a leaderboard, as it were, a scoreboard to see who knows their likely 40k facts based yeah. on the universe and what happens within it. Who is better at extrapolating 40k bullshit? Exactly. <laughs> um, however, tonight there's also going to be an extra little wrinkle uh, because in Ooh. the in, in a time-honoured uh, tribute to a long-running British comedy panel show, QI, um, there is going to be a bonus um, up for grabs tonight. And uh, oh. can either of you guess what this is going to be? Is it, um, if it's QI-inspired, is it that you can't mention a certain word because it's the obvious uh one? No, we're not going to be deducting points for obvious answers, oh. but <laughs> okay. what we will be doing is one of the questions tonight uh, is in fact a trick question, and the actual correct answer to it is nobody knows. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Brilliant. So both of you will get one guess throughout the quiz to basically declare that you think this is your nobody knows answer. And if it is correct, rather than getting one point, I will award you five bonus points if you correctly guess the nobody wow. knows correct answer. That's oh, stonking. I'm, I'm loving this. This is this this just whole just gives a whole new level of excitement, Tony, and I am aware of the monotone nature of my voice when I said that. But that this is like <laughs> I I'm on the edge of my seat. How the listeners aren't, you know, on tenterhooks like me, I have no idea. This just <laughs> wow. So yes, I hope that's uh, clear. We all understand how that works. Yep. Yeah. Um, and as always, we do have a we have a name game round. So I'll give you a hint now. The nobody knows answer is not in the name game round. <laughs> all right then. <laughs> Those will remain true or false questions for that one. Okay. Um, but first up, uh, round one, we have the Coronal War, or as I affectionately like to know it, previously on Vigilus. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, we uh, the book starts off with um, recapping the events of the War of Beasts followed by the War of Nightmares, which essentially was the first sort of orc invasion um, of Vigilus, followed by the eventual arrival of Abaddon and his Chaos Forces. 
um, and which then became known as the War of Nightmares. However, there was kind of then sort of like a third stage war um, after Abaddon's confrontation with Calga, and uh, that is known as the Coronal War. So this is something which is basically all tied to an Inquisitor who is going around trying to tear down the Noctilith crowns that have been established on Vigilus, hence the Coronal War. Right. Um, Got you. But leading into that, we have a few sort of um, questions based on uh, the immediate events after the conflict between Abaddon and Calga at the end of the original Vigilus um, series of books um, and some of the just general ongoings of Imperial resistance on Vigilus at the time. So, to quickly recap for those that do not know, um, at the the very sort of last thing to happen at the end of the original Vigilus narrative was this, you know, personal uh, combat and duel between Abaddon the Spoiler and Marius Calga, who recently at the time was the first um, space marine to have crossed the Rubicon Primaris. Undergoing the Calgarian rites. <laughs> yes. Um... And basically, it ends up. That's ob and obviously this is a, a law-based episode. There will be some spoilers for several years old publications of Vigilus <laughs> um, campaign books, but uh, it's fair to say Abaddon ends up winning. Um, he ends up basically striking down Calga, uh, and then immediately before he's able to sort of like do anything with his victory, um, he is recalled to the Vengeful Spirit in orbit. Because, um, you know, tricksy, tricksy ploys that Calga had been um, investing in with the help of some Eldari, he basically managed to launch a secret missile attack on the Vengeful Spirit. And a bunch of Vortex missiles had um, crippled it, and it was about to be torn apart, you know, in like orbit above Vigilus. So. The uh, enterprising shipmaster Kragen, who was obviously in charge of manning the bridge of the Control Spirit at the time, decided that the only way to save the ship was to um, enact an emergency warp translation and basically just you know, rip open the hull into the warp and throw the ship into it there and then in order to avoid being ripped apart in real space by the vortex missiles that were tearing it apart. Hence why Abaddon literally had to just bounce out of there immediately to teleport back to his ship before it disappeared and uh yeah my first question for you tonight is upon hearing shipmaster kragen had ordered the vengeful spirit to perform an emergency warp translation without him aboard <laughs> how did abaddon react to this <laughs> not well that would be would be the, that would be my answer Probably not very well. Or could it, the answer be nobody knows? Nobody knows. <laughs> uh. I'll tell you now, but a lot of people probably know how Abaddon reacted to this. But your options for tonight are A. He saw this as the blatant cowardice of a traitor and a fool who had failed him. B. He saw this as a skillful manoeuvre by the shipmaster which saved the flagship from otherwise certain destruction. Or C, he considered this nothing less than a direct attempt to steal his flagship from under him. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, I don't think Abaddon's that thick. I'm going to get... Uh, 
Because they they oh, they make <laughs> him seem so awesome, and then they make him do such dumb stuff. So I really hope it's not C, because that makes him sound like an idiot. So I'm going to go A, which is you failed me for the last time. Option. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I hesitate to say that Abaddon seems like such a reasonable character. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you mean level-headed, maybe? Yeah. Um. I I think I think I'll go C then. I think, I really I think we'll not see. I think we'll go that he thinks that uh, his his uh, his shipmaster wants to take the vengeful spirit and go do his own stuff. Well, I can tell you that. Ooh, how am I going to do this? I can't just say the point goes to Dan. <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> ooh, Katie and Dan. Cadian Dan think, is fine. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe we go with um, Red Tooth and Hobbit for uh, fine. Yeah, that's all right. Sure. Yeah. So that is a, that is a Mr. Dan Wellington as Red Tooth and Mr. Daniel Foley as Hobbit. All right. So I can tell you that the first point for tonight does indeed go to Red Tooth. That's hey. silly. I don't <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> not, Madden... not, not that I don't agree with you getting the point. I just think that that <laughs> as a cat as a character it's like oh yes the guy i've put in charge of my ship who could have stolen it at any point any time he wants he's gonna just steal it now idiot <laughs> well unfortunately attempting to leave without him aboard is considered stealing his ship as far as abaddon is concerned right <laughs> well so then leading on to question two once aboard the wounded Ventral Spirit, Abaddon made his way to the command deck to punish the wayward shipmaster Kragen. But what did he find upon his arrival? Was it A, an ambush that Kragen had prepared as part of a long-awaited mutiny, having indeed attempted to steal the Ventral Spirit from Abaddon? Oh, now what? that sounds more plausible. What? what? That sounds a bit more plausible now. Okay, I take everything back. B, he found the flayed but still living form of Kragen presented to him by the rest of the bridge crew. Mm. Or C, he found Kragen's lifeless body, the shipmaster having taken his own life instead of facing the Warmaster's wrath for failing him. Oh, that one, because that sounds amazing. Ooh. That one, I'm going with C. I'm going with C, that sounds amazing. Uh, I'll I'll go with A then since it uh, it got such a, a an animated response. If because if it's A, then all is forgiven. Apparently, Games Workshop writers. Yeah, <laughs> well, it is because it makes more sense than yeah. Just going, oh, he's stolen my ship. Oh, he has actually stolen my ship. I mean, and uh, what if I were to tell you? that A was in fact a falsehood and a fabrication. <gasps> Shock. Then Games Workshop can't be write. Um... <laughs> that's, that's what I tell you. That would have actually made more sense. So, so you're saying I, I, I patched their, their floor. Yeah, you, you, you basically <laughs> did a, a, a first day patch on their on their law. 
That's what you just did there. <laughs> Fair enough. However, simply because um, Dan is not uh, there, blah, 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 not Dan, because However, simply because Red Tooth is not right, does not mean on this occasion the Hobbit is right, because the answer is in fact B. He found the flayed but still living form of Kurgan presented to him by the rest of the bridge crew. I mean, that's still quite cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still quite. Now, it, the entertaining part is the fact that um, Abaddon did, in fact, reward the bridge crew for their belated loyalty. Obviously, having originally followed the orders of Kurgan to initiate the emergency translation, but they saw the error of their ways and turned on their wayward shipmaster in order to curry Abaddon's favour once more. Can you guess how he rewarded them? Um, he gave them. Is this a question? It's this... just a fun novelty point. Oh, <laughs> um, I can, I can guess he probably um, used their flesh as some sort of bag. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> as you do. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not going to be nice, is it? It's not going to be. He, he did, used them as target practice. I don't know. Re- it's it's going to be quite horrible. Did he reward them by killing them quickly? Yes, that sounds very Abaddon-y. Uh, indeed, that is exactly what he did. He rewarded their boil- belated loyalty with swift deaths. Yeah. So they, <laughs> they were not excruciatingly tortured for it. They were just simply rewarded with, well done, you made up for it in your last moments. Oh, oh what a nice guy. <laughs> So, Abaddon having now left Vigilus because his, you know, the vengeful spirit is now in the warp and on its way, um, the rest of Vigilus essentially starts attempting to fight back. You know, the planet is at this point besieged in in many different directions from forces of chaos and the orcs and other stuff, and there's a few various interesting um, conflicts where the Imperium starts to try and, you know, reclaim its world for itself. Uh, first of which. In the Mortwald Hive Sprawl, Imperial Resistance was surprisingly tenacious. Which of the following forces was even able to score an unlikely series of victories against the Traitor Chaos Space Marines in the region? So was it A, a penal legion contingent led by a former gang boss, B, a workforce of Ogryn slave servitors commanded by a lone tech priest, or C, a zealous militia of former administratum scribes led by a newly ordained priest. That one, because I love the idea. I absolutely love the idea of pencil pushes attacking Chaos Space Marines with their pencils. It yeah. just sounds I mean, awesome. That's that amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Or, or do they just sit the Chaos Space Marines down and bore them to death with bureaucracy? Yeah, just... just... Um, I'm very sorry that uh, you can't uh, do what you, the invasion right now uh, because you have to fill in form A, subsection six, uh, <laughs> paragraph three. Oh, oh, they've gone home. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, could you remind me of which section? Well, have you filled in? Yeah, that one. That one sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, I see. This is a car night, Fob. You need. Uh, you need to set uh, yeah, yeah, you need sheet K dash eight, not K dash nine. That would be for yeah. Zinchi and Acolytes only. Well, the Zinchian the Zinchian forms just go round in circles, and they just like they just give you a form. Ah, you've ticked this box. Have that form. Oh, you got this one. And yeah, that's that's how the Zinch one. They just like completely 
piles upon piles of paper and you just see these chaos space marines just carrying them along going oh but i thought i filled it incorrectly i mean uh, i even <laughs> got it uh, <laughs> i even got it signed by my next door neighbor and i've known them for ages that's that's how they talk cool so are, we, so are you both going ski? <laughs> i'm going to go with a <laughs> I, I'm going with C, the pencil pushes, because it just sounds so 40k. It does, doesn't it? I, I'll, I'll go with A to be different. The Penal Legion, I believe. Yeah, yes, option A was the Penal Legion contingent led by a former gang boss. But I could tell you that, unfortunately, it was not the militia of former scribes. Oh, I'm really upset that that's not the case. No, unfortunately, I made that one up. <laughs> Um, but the point goes once again to Red Tooth as it was oh, the no. Legion. They were you led should, by the. You should so write for GW. I I I love the <laughs> idea of scribes winning against Chaos Space Marines. Just brilliant. Well, you might be pleased to know though that the Penal Legion was led by a former gang boss who went by the self-proclaimed title of the Corpse Rat King. Fair. Right. Fair enough. Now, there's a modelling opportunity for a platoon commander, if ever I've heard of one. <laughs> Moving on. Elsewhere in Mortwald, how were Aeronautica Imperialis pilots defending the city, kept combat ready, and able to fly near continuous missions? Was it A, that they were taking cocktails of combat stims sourced from Mortwald's many hidden medical reserves? B, Pilots were ordered to remain in their cockpits at all times on punishment of death and were only permitted to sleep while essential repairs or refueling were being undertaken. Or C, that the pilots were surgically grafted into their cockpits with basic life support systems, thus requiring minimal rest or sustenance. Oh, I want to go that one. I feel like that was a scale of it getting increasingly more 40k from A yeah, to C. I, yeah, it's just like, and you've just grafted them into the... Yeah, I, I want to go with that one, if that's alright, Dan, with you, because I, I just think that is yeah awesome um, for 40k. Isn't it just... Uh, I, I'll, go, I'll go B, I think. Uh, it's It's sort of it's very 40k, but not quite as 40k as the other thing. But we're only at the start of the book. <laughs> this is true. Um, so which so is we're rushing our 40kness. Well, I can tell you that that logic is sound because it was, in fact, A. It was taking the cocktails of combat stings. Uh, that oh. is the uh, correct answer. Okay, okay. So perhaps surgically grafting people into cockpits is a a bit too out there for the Imperium at this stage in the book. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that if it was happening on the Bridge of the Ventral Spirit, it'd be considered everyday activities. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's like leisure time, isn't it? It's yeah. just like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? I'm going to be grafted into the cockpit of my engine. But of course, Chaos is not the only forces that are currently assailing Vigilus. There have been many, many Orc warbands also roaming the wastes, and they've been, at this point, battling the Imperium on Vigilus for years. So, after years of endless war and looting across the entirety of Vigilus, Big Mech Drogsot 
had amassed a hoard of scrap large enough to fill which of the following? A. An entire fleet of battle wagons. B. A warlord titan hangar bay. Or C. An entire vast wasteland crater filled to the brim. Cool. Could we could we have that in Olympic sized swimming pools, please? Ah, <laughs> uh, you go first, Dan, because I feel like I've gone first a lot of them. This so. is true. I I think it's it's got to be a crater, isn't it? Fill a big crater full of loot. So I, I'm going to go with Warlord Titan then, uh, just because I like the idea of them going. It's it's kind of like the idea of them finding a cupboard and shoving all the shoving all the rubbish in and sort of bolting the door and like holding it shut and going nothing to see here lads it's all <laughs> it's just just a titan back there it's just it's just a titan nothing I don't know what you're talking about definitely not uh, a big pile of loot no no not at all no no sounds like classic death school behaviour to me. Unfortunately, that wouldn't make them very accessible, would it? Whereas being piled in a very big crater would. Oh dear, I'm not doing very well. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> yes, it was the case that uh, Big Mech Drozod had in fact filled a crater to the brim with all his scraps. That is another point for Red Tooth. Hey. Um, so vast was this scrap hoard that his legion of mechs had to use rocket packs to get from one pile of rusting riches to the other. <laughs> I mean, had to or wanted to? Why not both? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, moving on now to uh, the sort of protagonist of the Coronal War himself. Uh, We've got a few questions now on uh, Inquisitor Erasmus Cartavolnus. You can imagine I had to practice that a few times yeah i can imagine yeah i'm gonna say say that three times fast is Um, he the one who got the new uh new model it is that's exactly what i was about to say there Um, you go even as like not related as the quiz question as such but the um the event exclusive 40k miniature for 2022 the inquisitor with the sword stabbing the book that is actually inquisitor erasmus yep cool i thought i'd heard that name before it is a nice model. Oh, it is. Yeah. You like that one. It is a very nice model. Now, to give you a little bit of background on him, he's a member of the Order Malleus, uh, so he's a like, basically demon hunting specialist uh-huh. slash chaos, you know, hunting specialist inquisitor. Um, and he in particular, he's, he's one of these odd inquisitors where um, Officially, he's classed very much as a radical because he studies and has extensive knowledge of basically demonology, yeah, and you know the the rituals of binding and you know summoning and everything to do with manipulating warp entities. But the reason why he has all this extensive knowledge and why he spent his lifetime researching it um, is because he's basically um, learning how to undo it all. It's all about unbinding it releasing yeah. those energies you know destabilizing the rituals themselves intended to create and possess things and people and objects that's what they all say exactly <laughs> um so you know he's a demon specialist who um also in particular specializes in the arts of unbinding warp rituals 
which is why he's spearheading his personal campaign to find, cast down, and destroy all of the um, Noctilith crowns that have been raised on Vigilus, because he can see that what they're essentially doing is they're trying to act like a lodestone in order to pull the rift yep. closer in <clears throat> on Vigilus, and he's trying to unbind all those um, uh, rituals uh, so that the the warp basically won't be pulled in and enclosed around the rift. It'll actually recede. Yeah. So, uh, as a very storied and experienced Inquisitor, my first question for you tonight about him is, how old is Inquisitor oh, Erasmus? Nobody knows, nobody knows, nobody knows, nobody knows. I'm going for nobody knows. before, Even before nobody knows. <laughs> That's brave. <laughs> so, um, Hobbit is using his nobody knows card. Yeah, well, we'll find out in a second because I will present Red Tooth with his options. Mm. <laughs> so, option A, he's over 100 years old. B, he's over 300 years old. Or C, he's over 1,000 years old. Well, technically, B and C are also included in A. I did. I did I That's did not how numbers this. work. That's sorry. I'm stopping. I'm stopping this podcast right there. That is not how numbers work. You do realize that, right? You, they, they don't work like that. You can't just say, "Oh yes, a million also has one in it." So therefore, all of the numbers. No, that doesn't work like that. No, I'm saying that if he's if he's older than a thousand, he's also older than one hundred. He he can't he can't not be older than a hundred if he's also older than a thousand. I think uh, so. We're talking semantics. We're not talking yes. numbers here. I am okay. being I am being a pedant. Therefore, therefore, what what you're actually saying is nobody knows because <laughs> we, we haven't even. <laughs> therefore, I win. <laughs> That's it. Hmm. Nobody knows because. <laughs> I I feel it's not in keeping with the game to. Uh, to counter a nobody knows with my own nobody knows. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, the funny thing is, I knew that when I wrote this question down, like this, I was like, I wonder if anyone's going to pick out on the semantic issue here with how yes. I worded these answers. And yes, I predictably, am. you did. <laughs> <laughs> so, look at it this way um, Which of these age brackets is he closest to? Yes. Is he closest to 100 years old, 300 years old, or 1,000? I assume that's the question here. Uh, <laughs> I will say he's... I can tell you I've written it this way because the, uh, the way it is written in the book is he is over X many years old. So I can tell you Hobbit, okay. that we do know how old he is and this is not the... No oh, <laughs> I'm sad about that. I'm genuinely well, upset about that. I, I'm going to go is, down. I did also think yep. that this is one that someone might use that card on. Yeah. Oof. I'm going to go down the middle. Go. Um. He is. He is greater than 300, but less than 1,000 years old. <laughs> I can tell you that that is both factually and semantically correct in this instance. Yeah. So that is I'm getting. Point I'm getting rent. annihilated in this. <laughs> I'm absolutely getting annihilated. Well, do you know who else got quite annihilated recently as well? Nobody knows. I <laughs> <laughs> um, it was Inquisitor. It was Inquisitor Erasmus Catavolnus himself. As the next question is, 
how did he lose his right arm? Because... Nobody knows. Nobody. <laughs> you say nobody knows now. <laughs> the funny thing. The funny thing is, um, there's a reason why I added this as an option for the show because when I read through all the questions, I was like, I think a good number of these could be potential. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> but um, one, okay. of them, one of them genuinely is nobody knows. What What are the options? And I will promise I won't say nobody knows anymore. <laughs> um, so yeah so uh, Inquisitor Erasmus Catavon has lost his right hand by which of the following was it A he amputated his own arm after it was engulfed in mutating warp flames by a demon of Zinch in order to That's prevent so the mutation cool. spreading and consuming him entirely that's really cool it's pretty badass B, yeah. After after beheading a Nurgle sorcerer and then reaching inside the creature's neck to seal a warp fissure in its gut. I mean, that's pretty cool as well. Mm-hmm. Or C, after closing a warp rift with his arm still held through the breach in reality, the sealing of the rift, severing his limb in the process. Ooh, they're all really cool. Yeah, this guy sounds like a cool dude. I'm I'm gonna go for the last one. Yeah. Hmm. I I think the um, severing his arm after it got mutated by his each thingy. So we're going amputated A against for warp me. flames and closing of the rift, severing his own limb. Yep. Well, I'm glad that you think all of these are very uh, cool options because uh, you both picked the two false ones that I made up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're very cool options. Though. I'm, I'm, well done, Tony. This one, I, you get my seal of approval because they all sounded awesome. So, yep. Well, uh, so, so the actual one is the fact that he beheaded a Nurgle sorcerer and then had to reach down its throat in order to seal the rift that had been basically he'd he'd swallowed a bunch of sacrificial. Um, victims or whatever in order to form this warp rift inside his own gut that's what this demon had done nice <laughs> um but being obviously a chaos creature his neck the entire length of it down his throat was all fanged so as the inquisitor like put his arm down there to try and get in and close this rift um it's described as the fanged throat was tearing and gouging his arm to a bloody stump in his attempt to reach the warp fissure mm. oh wow so he, he succeeded, but um, his arm did not come back out. <laughs> oh well. Just get uh, a new one, say, right? You know, well, the model in, and the artwork for him has a fancy augmented right arm. So, Classic. You know, he's a badass 300-year-old man with a robot arm. <laughs> and then, uh, for our last question of the round, and about our Inquisitor friend... At the gates of Hive Magmafrid, how did Carter Volnus convince every living soul in the Hive to follow him into battle with the word bearers and iron warriors, forge masters that were constructing Noctilith clowns? Uh, clowns? Noctilith clowns? <laughs> in Stormfall. Okay, right, stop there. I want a model of a Noctilith clown. What would that look like? Would it that would be just like a clown carved out of black stone, or like does it have 
like I don't know that would the, the conversion. It, please send in any pictures to the narrative wargaming uh, Facebook group because that I'd love to see a Noctilift clown. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know what that cool. is, but I'm sure you could fit a lot of them into a rhino. <laughs> well, well dave if you're listening having recently become the architect of a data canyon in physical form i'm sure you can come up with a noctilith clown for us <laughs> so to totally undercut this very serious question <laughs> <laughs> How did Mr. Badass Inquisitor convince everyone in the Hive to come help him basically siege the Chaos Forge where they were constructing Noctilith crowns? <laughs> Was it A, that he broadcast a dogmatic and zealous speech across the Hive proclaiming the Emperor's divine will and inspiring the population to rise up against the heretics? Plausible. Or was it B... He used his own Noctilift devices to amplify his psychic abilities and compelled everyone within the hive to march upon Starval. Or was it C? He erected a torture engine and strapped the nearest Imperial officers he could find into it and transmitted the scenes across the entire hive. I'm going to go with B. Because you said he was a radical and had experience of using things to destroy chaos. So I'm going to go with B for that one. That, that does make sense. Kind of. You both go B. <laughs> uh, Alright, I'll go B as well. I, I like the sound of that. Well, I'm glad you like the sound of it because I made it up. Oh. <laughs> um, no, the actual 40k thing that happened was that this Inquisitor approached the gates of a hive city and constructed uh, constructed a torture engine, as wow. it was described, and strapped the nearest Imperial office officers he could find into it, transmitted the torturing across the entire hive. Um, and in fact... During his broadcast, he announced that the wretches in his torture engine were clearly not exemplars of mankind, for if they were, they would have already been leading their armies to Storval before he even got there. Uh, and he proclaimed... I mean, that's that's a bit harsh, isn't it, really? Hang uh, on. Let, let, let me finish. He proclaimed that he would similarly offer the Inquisition's hospitality to every soul in the Hive that did not follow him. Hmm... So he threatened to queue them up for his torture engine if they refused to follow. I mean, that's he's taking his job a little bit too far, isn't he, really, there? What, the Radical I Inquisitor, mean, you think? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, that is that is really radical, isn't it? That's not just, oh, I've, I've, I've got a couple of um, demon hosts in my, in, in my shed. This is, this is, this is like one level up isn't it really it's it's just a bit a bit much i mean it's it's a step down from nuking the planet not really <laughs> i mean yeah wow that's, that, that's <laughs> i feel i feel i feel that 
that's really taking the fun out of this quiz now. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, thanks. Can, thanks, can you see why I, I was surprised by the undercutting tone of the Noctilith clowns right before this set of <laughs> Yeah, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> um, well, to add to your increasing mounds of uh, joy, Dan, I can tell you that at the end of round one, the scores are currently four points to Red Tooth and none to Hobbit. Oh, this is not going well. I, I, I mean, you could you could make up five points with the nobody. In, oh wait. Oh no! Wait. <laughs> this is a family show. I'm not going to say what I want to say right now. Well. Maybe you can redeem yourself when we move on to round two, Faith and Devotion. So now we're going to move on to some of the um, basically events that follow the uh, the literal fallout, as it were, of the conflict between Abaddon and Calgar and the outcome it had and um, the rising Faith across um, the Vigilist sector as they're basically confronted with you know, the nightmare of chaos closing in around them and they can only really turn to the faith of the Emperor. You know, or face the wrath of radical Inquisitors. With torture engines. Uh-huh. Yep. So, just to um, retrace our steps a little bit and revisit the fight between Abaddon and Calgo once more, after that final climactic battle between Marnius Calgo and Abaddon the Despoiler, the Lord of Macrag was cast down. His armor rent open and both his hearts slashed by the Warmaster. Kalga's body was recovered by his personal bodyguards as Abaddon was forced to return to the Ventral Spirit. Word of Kalga's death spread quickly as the Ultramarines withdrew from Vigilus. However, how did the Ultramarines respond to these rumors? Was it A. Despite the fact that Kalga still barely lived, they claimed the rumours were true in order to inspire the people of Vigilus with his false martyrdom. B. They claimed the rumours were false while trying to conceal the horrific truth that Kalka had actually died of his chaos-tainted wounds. Or C. They offered no rebuttal to the rumours and silently withdrew from Vigilus with their horrendously wounded chapter master barely still alive. Mm. Mm. What, what do we think the Codex would say about that? I think it would say... <laughs> this quiz does not support these actions. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking what is the practical and the theoretical. The practical would be... <laughs> No, honestly, it is that kind of way of thinking. So I'm thinking the pra the theoretical would be martyrdom. Practical would be get people to fight better. So I'm going to go with that one. So what you're think... saying you're going with A, where they um, propagated the rumours despite the fact he didn't actually die. Yes. Yep. yep. I'm going with that one. Because I feel like that would be a... Not necessarily an ultramarine thing to do, but definitely a sort of... If, if it was going to make things better, they would do it because they're ultramarines and they think like that. Uh, I'm going to go with ultramarines are boring and they didn't do anything and they just left. <laughs> I mean, that is also true. They are really boring. 
meh. Well, I can tell you that it is also literally true. They offered no rebuttal to the rumors. Oh, <laughs> ridiculous. Have you read this book, Dan? No. It feels like you've read... <laughs> I'm doing so poorly. Uh, I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll catch up and, you know, score a point at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Savage. Uh, I'm usually well, trashing Dave by now. <laughs> the, the the funny thing is that whilst the Ultramines themselves offered no rebuttal to the rumours, despite the truth that Calga was in fact barely alive, word of his death and his sacrifice did quickly spread across Vigilus and the surrounding sectors giving rise to a cult of adoration in his name and prayers being made to Saint Calga. Mm. So, do you know he, what? Did you mention that in the last podcast? He bloody I vaguely, did. Yeah. I was like, I knew say there who? Was some sort of, yeah, that, that's where I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking, yeah... Okay. Yeah, so Calga has unofficially received like a sainthood via, you know, the populace of Vigilus and the Vigilus sector, because rumor of his death has basically been accepted as truth, right? Um, all across the sector, so he's considered they're going to be disappointed then, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. So, as part of that, on Halflack. A previously unremarkable moon in the Vigilus system, the vast Cathedrum of Ascension had been desecrated by the Wordbearers and then since reclaimed and re-sanctified by the Order of Our Martyred Lady, and had now renamed it the Cathedrum of Saint Calga. However, damage to the moon's atmospheric engines had the unusual side effect of tainting the artificial atmosphere an unusual ochre colour surrounding the moon in a golden haze. That's no moon. <laughs> it is. It is literally a moon. Doesn't that sound delightful? Golden glowy moon in the sky. Yeah. This gave the moon an, an awe-inspiring halo and a golden trail as it moved across the skies of other worlds in the Vigilus sector. As a result... Thousands of refugees embarked on the pilgrimage to the Golden Moon and flocked to worship at Halflack and the Cathedral of the recently anointed Saint Calga. Indeed, pilgrims who stayed more than a few hours experienced a holy elation. Or so they thought. Oh, here we what, go. what was the truth behind <laughs> these supposedly enlightening experiences? Was it A... The golden mist was in fact toxic and proved fatal to those who inhaled too much. <laughs> That's very uh, boy, okay? That is was it B? Boy, okay. The word bearers had secretly remained hidden on the moon and were channeling rituals of possession through these unfortunate souls. Naughty. Or C. The golden mist had become laced with pollen from a powerful hallucinogenic flora native to Halflack. <laughs> I'm gonna go pollen. Hallucinogenic mm. pollen. 
Because that's very rogue trader, that. Is a bit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go A. That's It's nice and simple. That It's it's toxic and they all died. Even I'm starting to question whether or not Red Tooth is actually dead what? this now. Oh, <laughs> come <defense>. on! <laughs> yes, I can tell you, it was in fact A. The Golden Mist was in fact <laughs> toxic and proved fatal to those who inhaled too much. Oh, you are kidding me. Hey, uh, I'm the one that came up with a powerful hallucinogenic I mean, statistically, aura. statistically, I should have actually got one right by accident now. <laughs> it's quite remarkable. Yeah. Uh, Crying out loud. I'm never taking part in this quiz again. <laughs> <laughs> well... Um, so yeah, the, the description of this, like, <laughs> intoxication, as it were, is quite funny. It was, uh, those who died as a result did so with smiles of abjuration fixed on their faces <laughs> in a rictus grin. Isn't Have you ever seen nice? anything depicting, um, sort of, like, uh, Joker gas in the sort of, like, Batman? Yeah, um, that's kind of cool. Stuff. It's, like, it's that kind of idea of rictus grinning death. Um, and funnily enough... There were so many casualties as a result that the, they had to deploy servitors to clear up all the bodies. <laughs> no. mm. Yep. Yep. So Very that doesn't again. change the fact. How, I gotta say that doesn't change the fact, however, that people are still flocking to this, you know, holy moon as a site of you know faith and devotion. <laughs> Just don't go praying to St. Calvary because you'll die with a horrendous smile on your face. <laughs> Meanwhile, while the light of the Astronomicon cannot be seen from within the Imperium Nihilus, there had been several reports of Imperial fleets lost in the tides of the warp, seeing a faint but steady illumination. A beacon of hope in the darkness, which when navigated towards, has found these lost fleets emerging into real space upon the fringes of the Vigilar system. But what is the nature of this phenomenon? Was it A? <laughs> Was it A? Sorry. It is in fact the diminished light of the Astronomicon reaching across the Natchmund Gauntlet, not unlike a light visible behind a closed door from inside a darkened room. Was it B? It is the manifestation of faith in the God Emperor of Mankind that is present in the Vigilar system. So strong is it that it shines out across the chaos of the turbulent warp. Or is it C? It is in fact a Xenotech beacon of unknown origin hidden deep below the surface of Vigilus, which has seemingly been now been activated by the emergence of the Great Rift. Oh, I'm going to go see because that sounds like the thing that the uh, Fallen Angels were trying to turn on. Does sound cool, doesn't it? Hmm. But I'm wrong because uh, this is how this quiz goes. So, you know what? It doesn't matter anymore, does it? Because I'm wrong. See, the thing, the thing is, I, I also was thinking that but now that you've got it, it can't be right. So I'll have to pick something else. Uh, a. Sorry, you, you've, read, you've read the book, so... <laughs> <laughs> so what option are we going for? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go for A. 
unit A that is in fact the diminished light of the Astronomicon. Just just shining just through a crack, through as the, it were. Yeah, shining through a crack in the the, the natural gauntlet. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that um, <laughs> Hobbit was right that he was doomed to fail on this question because yeah. it is in fact D. No, nobody knows. <laughs> it is our nobody knows question. Um, yes, this seemingly steady illumination within the warp, not unlike the Astronomicon, is now manifesting itself seemingly within the Vigilus system, but nobody knows why or where from. So I have a question, right? If GW reveals why and it happens to be of Xenos technology, (laughs) do you do I get a retrospective five points? I'll, uh, I will do not five points, one point. Oh, one point, case, sorry. It would just be a correct answer. But so yeah, I, yeah. I, will not, I won't give you a retrospective one. I will give you a backdated one. And in your next right, quiz, brilliant. You, brilliant. following that, you can... Uh, That's great. That makes me feel much point. better. <laughs> Thanks. Fair enough. But I know the technology you were talking about, you were discussing the Void Claw that was hidden yes. inside the... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yes, funnily enough, um, that technology has now since been removed from that ancient fortress because the Dark Angels showed up, basically chased off slash captured all the fallen that were there and nicked off for the tech. And, and they went, nothing to see here. Don't don't know what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> the best it's all part legal. About... Everything <laughs> is fine. The best part about that is that after they'd gone, um, basically a warband of Black Legionnaires and a warband of... E- um, I think it was Evil Sun's Orcs. Basically, both saw this now vacant, abandoned fortress that seemingly appeared out of nowhere and just went, that's mine! And they both <laughs> went and started fighting over it just to have the big, cool fortress. Nice. That's cool. So, on to question 12. As the steady flow of lost fleets and unexpected reinforcements arrived at Vigilus because of said unknowable beacon, uh, many of the refugees and uh, even ship crews were mysteriously disappearing without trace, despite having seemingly reached Imperial territory safely. What was secretly becoming the fate of these unfortunate Imperial citizens? I know they couldn't answer a single question right on this quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I almost said a very naughty word then, and I'm very glad I did. <laughs> I'm glad to see you're still enjoying yourself. I am. I, I love this. This is my favourite thing. Is it was their fate that, that they drowned you... in salty tears? <laughs> uh, no, that will be if they um, if they landed on that planet in uh, Altarius with the kilometres deep in inhospitable oceans. Yeah. Uh, I forget, it was a Sigma Ulstari, something like that. One or the other. Anyways, we're on Vigilus. Uh, so, what was becoming of them here? Well, your options are A, they were unknowingly accepting sanctuary and aid from the cult of the pauper princes before Ooh. being mind wiped and indoctrinated into the Gene Stealer cult. Mm-hmm. B, 
They were being abducted by Fabricator Vosk and his tech magi for mind-wiping and indoctrinating as his servitors <laughs> Oscatari. Or C, they were being abducted by Alpha Legionnaire agents before being mind-wiped and indoctrinated as hidden reserves of Chaos Cultists. So I, I do remember that the, the pauper princes were at Vigilus. Yeah, that's, that's what definitely I'm, a they, thing. That's, there is the thing. Where, which planet is this? Or where is this, sorry, again? This is on Vigilus, and if it helps, I can tell you that all of the Pauper Princes, Fabricator Vosk, and the Alpha Legion, all three of mm. those factions are present on Vigilus. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Pauper Princes because then if it, yeah, because they, I, I think them, I think G, because we haven't heard anything about the Gene Studios True. in a while, so let's let's go with that. They I'm they do that. like to uh, stay undercover though, don't they? Uh, hide stealers. okay fair enough i hmm. yes i it's gonna be wrong so don't pick it <laughs> again i was thinking that and now you've picked it so <laughs> uh I, I think they've been abducted and turned into servitors that sounds like a thing It is indeed a thing. <laughs> it's the sign. <laughs> it's the sigh that I hear just before. I'm like, I've got this wrong then, haven't I? Because all I hear is this. Oh, dear. God. Oh, dear. He's done it again. We're ruining uh, this quiz, aren't we? Yeah. Like, you're not, well, you're you're not. not ruining it at all. You're, you're storming it. You're doing amazing. Yes, it was in fact the case that <laughs> the Mechanicum um, and Fabricator Vosk had been pinching and abducting these uh, refugees and ship crews in order to turn them into servitors and Skatari. Uh, yeah, that is um, that, like literally, I would have picked the Pauper Prince's one if you hadn't first. See, that's that's where you're going wrong, Dan. That's the fault with your plan. Is that you're letting Red Tooth <laughs> pick second, so you basically you're just limiting him to fifty-fifty chances. That is well. That is game theory, isn't it? Really, but that no. Actually, game theory would. I suppose if he knows I'm wrong, then it is a fifty-fifty chance. So yeah, <laughs> you're actually just using maths against me. Thanks for that. <laughs> That's what the let's mechanicus would let's do. See if you can, as well as abducting people. That is absolutely what they would mm. do. Yeah. Let's see if you can get this next one. Several months after the battle between Kalga and Abaddon at Saint's Haven, the surrounding hive sprawl of Hyperia had become an almost holy ground. A place of worship and admiration of the Imperial cult and the sacrifice of Saint Kalga. One fateful night in the Tower of Saint Barfom, an unexpected figure appeared before the gathered masses. Who was it? Was it A. Marnius Kalga? B, Saint Celestine, or C, Cipher. Well, uh, I know what you're doing. You're waiting for me to pick first, <laughs> aren't you? You pick first. <laughs> you pick first. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like they all think Kalga's dead, so the most unexpected person to turn up would be Kalga. I mean, I'm surprised you missed a trick here, Tony. You could have just said the Inquisition, because surely that would, because then everyone were like, "Oh, I didn't expect them." 
Yes, who ended that? Nice. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with Cipher. I'm wrong, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this over with, Tony. Come on. Well, I can tell you that Hobbit. You are once again wrong. It's not Cipher. <laughs> just rude <laughs> but it was not Calga either it was in fact Saint Celestine how many questions have we had we've had 13 questions and between you you've scored 6 points all of them red tooths okay statistically I should have scored 4 points well you see like, following no, your no, game hang theory on. Yeah, um, red tooth has scored three, 6 in. of a possible 13 questions uh, where if he's been making a 50-50 choice each time by eliminating your option first. <laughs> I mean, Which he's been doing. So That, that works yeah. about right, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, that is exactly how you would do it. So yeah, well done. <laughs> oh dear. Isn't maths fun, guys? <laughs> but yeah, uh, funnily enough, at this point in the narrative, it's actually Saint Celestine who makes a personal appearance on Vigilus. Mm. What's she doing there? Mm. Well, as described, it was within the tower of Saint Barfon, the three cracked bells suddenly chimed in concert, seemingly untouched by the hands of an adept. An eruption of golden fire consumed the bell tower, then fading to an illuminating pyre, and from the midst of the blaze, heedless of the fire, stood Celestine, the living saint. So she's just materialised on Vigilus at this point. As you do. As you do. So, of course, she immediately took to bossing around the uh, orders of the sisters of battle that were on Vigilus at the time. So our next question is, Celestine commanded the entirety of the Order of the Bloody Rose that was present on Vigilus uh, to cease their operations in Megaborealis, which was the Mechanicus of uh, Hive Sprawl, and instead begin the sacred mission of purging Dontoria. The now pox sprawl, overrun with corruption, sorcery, and the endless hordes of poxwalkers. But how exactly did they achieve this? Was it A, they cut down every poxwalker and living soul in the hive sprawl and built vast pyres from the millions of bodies? B, they blasted the hive sprawl from orbit, reducing it to rubble and ruin? Is the only way or to be sure. <laughs> or C, they marched street by street and burnt the entire continent-sized hive sprawl to the ground. Hmm. I mean, I'm determined to get one right. It's it's got to be C, surely. That's so. I'm going to go for A. I'm going to use his theory against. <laughs> I'm going to use your 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 thing against. I'm going no, for A. It, that, it doesn't work because I get them right sometimes. It does work. It's going to happen. A. So you're game theorying this for cutting down every living soul and poxwalker and building them into pyres of millions tall bodies. Yep, that sounds about right. Well, I can tell you it sounds about wrong. (laughs) 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 Can you guess? Could you guess if it was B or C? (laughs) It will be the one Dan picked. (laughs) It was the one that Dan picked. (laughs) He's 
read this book. They you have read this book. by street and burnt the entire continent. I have not. You, I, I just. You have. Just, you liar. You've read it. I mean, if if you like, it's sisters of battle. They love their flamers. Like, how could it be anything but C? Be- because, like, did they do the same thing with the. Ah, uh, just. I... Maybe I should stop playing 40k. Maybe I should stop playing Age of Sigmar. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Podcast cancelled. We're now moving yep. on to the Age of Sigma Wargamer. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, funnily enough, on this occasion, um, they were actually burning the entire continent to the ground, and for miles and miles, the sacred pyres and pillars of black smoke were visible from orbit. And nice. From elsewhere cool. on the surface of Vigilus, distant horizons in the direction of Dontoria were lit by flame both day and night that's very cool pretty metal and also horrific as well at the same time but actually very cool now for our final question of round two and our final multi-choice question of the night before we move on to the name game let's see if hobbit can (laughs) score a point (laughs) come on dan i believe in you you've got this question 15 Unknown to the Order of the Bloody Rose, there was a small group of survivors that escaped from the purging of Dontoria. But who were they? Was it A? Nobody knows! (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe not nobody, but the Order of the Bloody Rose certainly don't know. Okay. Was it A? Nurgle cultists, known as the Children of the Pox, carrying the disease back to Hyperia Hive Sprawl. Was it B, Genestealer cultists, known as the Brethren of Dontoria, unknowingly carrying the Nurgle-tainted disease back to the gene sex of the Pauper Princes? Or C, Orc commandos, known as the Green Tooth Terrors, unknowingly <laughs> carrying the Nurgle tainted disease back to Fort Dacker. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Gene Stealers. I'm going with the Gene Stealers. They've got to be in this somewhere. I'm going with them. It's them. That's, That's what fair. I'm going with. That's fair. Um, do, I, if I say that as well, does that mean it's more likely to be true? I don't want you to get the point at the same time as me. <laughs> I, I'd like my. I don't want a pity point. I want. I want. A, a, I don't want a pity point. Okay. I mean, it'll, you'll take it. It'll take it away from me. I'll feel really sad if you do that. Don't do that. Okay. Okay. I'll genuinely be upset. I'll go for the uh, the obvious answer, uh, and the uh, the Nurgle cultists. Well, I can tell you that. The last point of round two and the last of our multi-choice questions is, in fact, going to Hobbit with the Gene Stealer cultists. Get in! Yes! Yes! Fifteen questions! Yes! Get in! I am... Yes! The, mm. the comeback is real. I know. It's on now. I tell you what, I'm start. You know, you said about the QI reference. I am starting to feel like the Alan Davis of this. Of this <laughs> particular... <laughs> oh, right, you're going down, mate. Now that's it. Well, so the funny thing is, 
we are now going to move on to our third and final round of the uh, the Chaos Lords name game, <laughs> um, which, given the uh, the range of names and the fast fire sort of nature of this round, the game is actually all still to play for, mm. um, because we have a potential twenty two points on the line across the entirety of the third round. Oh wow. So, that is because we have 22 names to go through, be it either true or false, as to whether or not these are either Chaos characters or Chaos warbands uh, that are listed and named across the you know, the narrative of this book. Because obviously at this point in time, Chaos is more or less the ascendant um, aggressor in the book, and there are quite a few you know, name-dropped characters and warbands throughout. So I've got cool. a good range of them here, plus a selection of ones that I have made up. Mm. So, just again, for those who are uh, listening to one of these shows for the first time, um, this next round is going to be a true or false for whether or not this particular given name is a real name from the book or one I've um, sourced from elsewhere or made up. Um, and it'll be one point for correctly guessing whether or not it is true or false. And this is always uh, an interesting challenge. It is. As Dave likes to say, it's not so much is this name real as uh, did Tony find the same random name generator that Games Workshop themselves use? Quite. So we will start off with our list of chaos characters. Yeah. So can you tell me whether you believe this first name to be true or false? Chainmaster Dorex Zarimand. True. False. I'm going the opposite of whatever Dan says. Okay, <laughs> this would be interesting. Are you, are you really going to game her theory that hard? <laughs> no, I'm just gonna. I'm just. I, I'm literally just gonna say. I, I, I think this is a false one. I, I, I think it's false. Well, I can tell you, you're after a great start because it is in fact true. So that's a point. Great. Well done. <laughs> yep. Brilliant. A, a Slaneshi champion, perhaps? No, um, he's actually a, um, a Black Legion um, commander on board the Ventral Spirit. Okay. All right. Is he one of the dead ones now, then? No, um, he's one of the uh, now in command because the previous shipmaster got murdered once. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a great, great. How did you get your job? Well. Dead man's boots in it. Great, great story. <laughs> um, next up, we have Warsmith Vesserax. True. I'm going to go false on that one. Sounds too generic. And just like that, Hobbit has officially doubled his score in the quiz. Yeah! <laughs> Amazing. With his second point. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> right, so Apologies we'll to the... whoever wrote that name. <laughs> well, it wasn't me, so it's fine. Um, we'll, we'll start moving through these at a little pace then. So next up we've got Clavis Miraborn. False. True. This one is... False. Yes! 
However, he is followed by Mirror Mage Varhas Quarovain. Uh, false. True. Now, this Mirror Mage is true. Yes! <laughs> I'm actually flailing my arms in excitement. The, the comeback is happening. I can basically hear it. Yeah. Very much so. <laughs> Next, we have Tarnax the Warp Cutter. I think that's false. I also think that is false. You are both correct. That is false. How can you cut the warp? That's just silly. Next up, we have Clawmaster Fran Regarin. <laughs> I think that's true. Hmm. Yeah, I also think that's true, actually. It sounds you slightly kind of slightly wonky. Ridic ridiculous? Yeah, yeah. like... <laughs> ridiculous. Slightly wonky and ridiculous is true. And I'll tell you yeah. what, I'll offer up a bonus point if either one of you can tell me um, which of the Chaos Legions he's from, and I will tell you he's not could, a Black Legionnaire. Could you say his name again? Clawmaster Fran Regarin. Okay, I think he's Night Lords. I mean, Clawmaster sounds Night Lords y to me. Um, Are we both going Night Lords? Sh sure, yeah. Well, I can tell you that uh, you're going to render the bonus point mute because, yes, he is a Night Lord and you both get it. Cool. Yes! Yeah. Because, you know, I actually know stuff that I, I. If I've read the fluff, I actually know it. <laughs> so, can you tell me whether or not this next one is true or false? A Mr. Noros Garax the Flayer. <laughs> I mean, I'm the not third. sure. I'm not sure there's many uh, Chaos Champions that get referred to as Mr. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I may, I may have added that as an embellishment <laughs> in the telling of the quiz. So that's Noros Garax the Flayer. That. Mm. That sounds a little bit name generatory to me. I'm going to go false. I'm going to go true. It is false. Ah! Dan's logic is on point. Next up, we have Darn the Umbral. Darn. Oh, Darn. Curse you, darkness. <laughs> Darn the Umbral. Yep. <laughs> Uh, I guess logic that it is silly therefore it is true I'm going to go with true as well uh, the Dave approach do you both genuinely believe that Games Workshop would have written a name entitled, such as Darn the Umbral yes uh, Yes. Well, you're both right to do so because they did <laughs> it is true Listen, we've all been this um, hobby, been in this hobby long enough to know that's absolutely a thing they will do. Yeah. Well, how about Saren Nightblade? False. It, it could go either way, that one, doesn't it? It sounds a little bit name generatory, but it also kind of works. I'll say true. Ooh, difference of opinion. Well, it is false. That is a yes! the hobbit. And then the last of our uh, Chaos character names, we have 
Sorcerer Morswain Scart Fuel. Sounds a bit like a, a Nurgly name to me. I'll say true. I'm going to say false because it sounds orky. Scart Fuel. Well, I can tell you it is true. No! <laughs> That's probably exactly what he sounds like. Yes. <laughs> I am a chaos sorcerer. <laughs> Love it. Um, so yeah, so that is the first half of the name game. Um, that is all our chaos character names, and uh, the re there's a reason why uh, Red Tooth says that they sound quite name generatory because fun fact, all of those false names have come from the various Legion name generators found in the Psychic Awakening book, Faith and Fury. Oh. Ah. So the false ones are all suggested names from an official Games Workshop name generator. Technically true. <laughs> so, enough about that. What are the scores? Uh <laughs> <laughs> Going into the last part of the quiz, we have Red Tooth on 14 points, but Hobbit is chasing with 9. Ooh! That is actually a lot closer than I thought yep. it was. It's getting a bit <laughs> spicy at the end, isn't it? So then, in the final part of the name game round, we're now going to list off a number of Chaos Warbands that are fighting on Vigils. And you must tell me whether they are true or false. But I will okay. tell you in advance, that in this instance, all the false options are not, in fact, Loyalist Space Marine chapters. <laughs> Shame. As they were the last time we did a, a Core Knight round similar to this. <laughs> So, first up we have the Reflected Ones. I'm going to go with True. Reflected Ones. Mm, that does sound interesting. Yeah, go on. True. I can tell you it is true. You both score a point. Hey. Next up we have the Iron Spines. Iron spines. Uh, I I will say false. I'm gonna say true. It is true. <gasps> Ooh. Next. What what do they do then? The <laughs> the iron spines. What? Yeah. They make um, spines out of iron, I would have thought, surely. That's, that's, I think off the top of my name. head. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it might have been an Iron Warriors warband. Basically, they're one of the ones that I just listed in the... They're busy fighting things for their own right. pillaging yeah. and rampaging yeah. desires. You know? <laughs> um, not a great deal on them, just that they're a warband that's now let loose on Vigilus now that they have to listen to a band directly. <laughs> um, yeah, so then next up we have the Carrion Brethren. That, that sounds true to me. I'm going to go with true on that one. Well, it is in fact false. Oh. Ah! Mm. What about the potentially fictional slash real compadres, the bringers of decay? That's false. Is it though? Is it? I'm going to say true. Well, I can tell you it was true. Ah. <laughs> How about this next one? Do you believe the Crimson Hurricane? 
Is it legitimate to cast blood on me? Or possibly just a death metal band, you know. The Crimson Hurricane! Just, no! That's not true! <laughs> because that's silly! Which makes me think it is true! <laughs> uh, what are you? I am, a, I am a Crimson Hurricane. Ooh, that sounds scary. Yes, I know. We're our first album. Uh... <laughs> uh. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to go false. I'm going to go true, because it's so ridiculous. Fair. It's got to be true. It is so ridiculous, it is in fact true. Yes! <laughs> 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 they will in fact be cutting the curse of the False Emperor and not their first album. <laughs> However... Next up, we have the ruinous torment. Mm, that's false. That's I'm going with false. Yeah, false. That's that's just two kind of chaos two words. Words that together. have just gone. I'm just gonna. Yeah. I mean, that's how they name a lot of chaos things. True. Isn't it, though. But I mean, who would have thought crimson went with hurricane? Yeah, quite. Yeah. Uh -huh, yeah. Are we both going false on that one? Then? Yeah. It just sounds like that. two words from yeah. a name generator to me. Pretty much is because it is false. Yeah. Uh, Sorry to tear down have... your name so much there. <laughs> hey, I'm just glad I didn't call for Crimson Hurricane Games Workshop came up for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but did I come up with the sixth rapture? I'm gonna go with You didn't come up with it, I think that's a true one. I think that, that one exists. Well, I'm going to, for differences' sake, go false. Well, I can tell you that the sixth rapture is true. Ooh. Legitimate Let me guess, they're a Slanashi warband by any chance? I believe so. Sounds a little bit. Well, what about the euphoric rift? <laughs> um, your innuendo for um, this evening was brought to you by... <laughs> shall we shall we say false <laughs> this is it this is the moment where we lose Dan it always happens at some point False. I think we're both saying false on that one. <laughs> for our own sanity's sake. One, thankfully it is false. Oh, thank God for that. Because <laughs> that two... would have not pass QA. That shouldn't have passed QA. <laughs> but two, it has come from a uh, name generator, and I just had to include it when it generated it because I thought Fair. it was too hilarious. Yes. Not to. <laughs> so... <laughs> You can't generate that and not use it. I mean... 
if Dan literally dies laughing, I win, right? I mean, it, it seemed probable anyway. <laughs> now let's see, let's see whether or not we can e either calm him down or push him over the edge with our next. <laughs> If the euphoric rift was false, then please tell me whether or not the harmonic lash is true. You've done this on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> harmonic lash. I want to say true. Well, hang on. Are these warbands? Sorry. Yeah, it's a warband. Yeah, warband. Uh, I'm going to say true. Because... Uh... I'll, uh, I'll say also false. How bit didn't you say you were going to go true? True, And, and yeah, also true. to the previous one. The, the harmonic lash is false. I've I've completely forgotten what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Having a good time. Moving on. We are on to our last three potential warbands, starting with... The Bloody Dawn. The Bloody I'm go true. Dawn. I'm going to go true. Mm. I I also think true. You would both be correct. Yay. Then penultimately, we have the Reaping Host. Mm. See, that sounds like a name generator one that kind of works. Uh... I'm gonna go true on that one as well, actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna say false. Your logic is impeccable. It is indeed a name generator one that works, so it is false. Uh... And then finally, for our last point of the evening, our final chaos warband, the Soul Butchers. I'm gonna go false. That sounds so generic. It does, doesn't it? A bit. But it also has a, it has a bit of a like. Mm, do you think it has thing. a? Well, do you think it has that sort of? Let's give it to the temp quality to it. A little bit. Yeah, I'm go actually I'm gonna go true because it does actually sound like. Let's give it to, uh, Jeff the temp. We need a few <laughs> more names. Let's put put him in. Yeah. I'll I'll go true true. We're both going true? Yeah. yeah. In which case, you will both score the final point of the night. Oh, Soul Butchers. High five. Uh, uh, yeah, virtual high five. I nice. mean, you've almost killed me. You almost killed me. I think Tony almost killed you. I'm sure that happens in every quiz at some point. We almost uh, Yeah, killed. I just... Yeah. I just you, you've got to stop coming up with those names because they yeah. are, are going to be the death of me. <laughs> They are just going to be the death of me. Going to wake up and be like, oh, it'll be a lovely episode, and then find out it's a posthumous episode because you ended up, you know, I'm on the floor somewhere in, with a rictus grin. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the callback. Indeed. Yeah. Well, you're, uh, in the case of the Chaos Warbands, uh, the false um, made-up names were actually generated by the Realm of Plastic um, name generators. So nice. Feel free to go check them out as well because they are um, they're a good series of name generators. I've used them for a couple of things in the past, including some of these past quizzes, because they have a whole host of them for different ones. So this was explicitly for chaos 
you know, lords and their warbands, you know, generators of lord blah blah of the blah blah. Now blah, that blah, is blah, an blah. awesome name for a chaos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be an awesome chaos name. The warriors of blah blah. However, despite the fact that it almost killed you, Dan, <laughs> the um, that round was in fact your highest scoring point round with ninety percent of your total score coming from. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yes, funnily enough, in that round, you made up a total of 16 points. Wow. To a grand total of 17. Oh, wow. Obviously, I I just was not channeling the law. Well, at least it proves I did not read the book beforehand. <laughs> Slander, I say. Well, Slander. Well, the fire comparison, our winner tonight is indeed Red Tooth with his total 22 Woo! points in the end. Thank you. A lot Thank more you. spread across the questions. <laughs> but in either case, I hope you both enjoyed it. As, yeah. as per usual, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I hope the other people listening at home um, enjoyed it and possibly did quite well if they disagreed with Hobbit's questions in most instances. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I love these quizzes. I love doing these. They're so much fun to write. They're, they're really good fun to take part in. Uh, they do cheer me up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me as well, I, I just particularly enjoy the fact that um, when the pair of you will pick the false options, like when you when you enjoy the things I've made up more so than what actually happened. <laughs> do you? Uh... I I just I just like the fact that it it actually genuinely I have tears rolling down <laughs> my face. Do you uh, do you pick out moments that you think, yeah, this is gonna get, this is gonna actually kill Dan? <laughs> Not deliberately so, but I'm I'm usually have a feeling that one of them's gonna do it. <laughs> so yeah, that's basically the main gist of everything that happens here or there in um, the Vigilus Alone narrative. Uh, interestingly, when we were last on and we were talking Wars of Faith and I suggested that I thought Abaddon might next be rolling up at Sanguaterra on the other end of the gauntlet, uh, it seems like he's going for a more close-to-home target initially and he's actually more interested in going for a world called um, Darovar, which basically is a recently turned Chaos Knight world. Um, so mm. unclear as to exactly what his goals are there, but it's basically kind of like the next planet over from Vigilus in terms of along the gauntlet. Mm. See, that's interesting because it just ha occurred to me today after watching a load of the previews that the latest night that they've done is very Black Legion-esque paint scheme. Which is interesting. I mean, the um, the big toast <clears throat> helm as well is also yeah. very yeah. I mean, so I wonder if chaos terminator looking. Yeah, I wonder if they're doing that. It would be a nice link if they did. Well, but... my inkling might be that if Chaos Knights were to get their first named character, it would be the King of Daravar. Right. Because he is, um, he's name dropped a couple of times in the original Vigilus series and mm. in this one. 
Um, and I, I, it sounds like Abaddon might be aiming to go there to obviously either corral him up to his side or otherwise just seek his aid in you know tearing down mm, the gauntlet. Yeah. We'll see. But that's the sort of next thing, as it seems, on uh, Abaddon's tour of the gauntlet. So. <laughs> Does he think he has a t-shirt with like <laughs> with the tour of the gauntlet? <laughs> the yeah, next one like, tour. A, a roadmap from a <laughs> it's like a roadmap thing that says he like you know terror, um, eye of terror, blah blah yep. blah. Cadia cancelled. No, no, no. They just says Cadia, 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 Cadia thirteen times. Yeah. <laughs> then vigilus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah so uh, until we get our next uh, book to dive into and uh, pull out some hilarious fun facts from um, that has been our, our show tonight really so before we head out the door we'll just quickly drop some of our community spotlights because I do want to shout out a couple of them so um, who would like to start um, I've got one if that's alright which Go ahead. Um, I, I mine's more of a sort of uh, um, I this is going to sound horrendous coming from a for a, for a narrative one, but I recently went to a tournament. <gasps> Shock! Oh my goodness! I know. Um, run by the guys at Savage. I've got to get their name right. Savage Hammer Gaming, and they ran a fantastic tournament, and I came second. You know, woo! Hey, um, with a guard <laughs> that's army. That's, that's, that's our preferred podium. Uh, yeah. Show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they. The, I want the reason why I wanted to do a shout out is because they ran a fantastic event in general, and it was really friendly and uh, yeah, really enjoyable. So well done, guys. Where, whereabouts are they based? Uh, they are based in or near uh, Bedford, which is near Cambridge. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> That's very useful, I know, but check them out I, I imagine if anyone is is near enough that they can visit on a regular basis they would know where it is yes oh yeah yep and, uh, what was that name again Dan Savage what's I think it's Savage Hammer I need to double check but I'm, I'm pretty if it's not I'll put it uh, it's not <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it is Savage Hammer Gaming if, it, if it's not quite Savage Hammer Gaming then we'll get the uh, the name correct in the description yeah. below. but in either case there'll be a link below to go check them out and uh yeah, so go give yeah, go check them out if you're local or able to drop by at any point. It seems like sounds like they run a good event and have a good venue. I it think. is. I'm just looking now. It is Savage Hammer Gaming <laughs> confirmed. Confirmed, and they and they do genuinely run. It was their first event they'd run, um, and they do lots of other events as well as tournaments and things. And I was. Uh, mightily impressed and the people there were really friendly and uh, it was just an all round fantastic it was a doubles tournament actually so they do all sorts of things Ooh, so yeah good. indeed <clears throat> fair enough and then uh, Red 2 for cool. yourself uh, yeah so I'm just a little shout out to uh, uh, a small channel slash Instagram account uh, there's a called the Ikaran Sector uh, which is Ikaran underscore sector on Instagram or just Ikaran sector on YouTube spelt I-C-A-R-A-N um, it's uh, 
some uh, <clears throat> people I, I've associated with through through Discord and stuff. Um, based in Tokyo, uh, they they do some Ooh. some cool models and uh, some little like uh, battle reports on YouTube that are they're fairly sort of uh, basic but quite quite uh, quite good. Um, uh, I'm particularly shouting tonight because I I painted a, a, a Trajan Valoris for them. <laughs> for uh, oh, uh, nice. so uh, yeah, that's on that's on the channel. <laughs> yes, I'd love to go check that out. See you. See your Captain General in action. Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and then for myself, uh, as is often the case for me, I've been listening to various different audio platforms and content creators out there and I've recently been really enjoying and basically binge listening to the uh, 40k Game Changers uh, podcast by um, Steve Joel. So it's actually part of the Frontline Gaming Network like a series of shows. Um, so if you search for either Frontline Gaming Network or 40k Game Changers you'll be able to find it. Um, there'll be links below to both um, the network and the website specifically for the 40k Game Changers podcast. But basically, um, it's a really slick and sort of like professionally produced interview format style show. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, uh, Steve interviews uh, all these guests that he has on throughout the um, the shows from across the Warhammer community and the idea is that everyone he interviews is someone who's um, sort of either had an influence or uh, a, a personality or presence within the 40k community so he's got you know it's basically almost like a, a short list of 40k celebrities yes you know within our community um, so you know he has the likes of you know the, the top competitive players on there you know you Mr. Um, Stephen Vaught, Richard Siegler's, uh, and so on, and all the rest of it. Um, but he's also got interviews with people such as like Lawrence Pier on there as well, talking about tabletop tactics and everything that you know how he brought that into being and the journey he went through with that. Um, he's had the guys on from Play on Tabletop talking about how they their YouTube channel sort of like you know just took off and accelerated away with the kind of production that they put in behind the scenes and all that. Um, I think he's had um, Tanya Gates, um, the war mistress, the war mistress on. Yep, for like you know her perspective as um, like women in Warhammer and so on. And it's 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 he covers a whole bunch of sort of you know different topics and areas, but it's all in this very well um, produced um, interview format. And part of it is because um, Steve Joel himself, I think. I think he spent the majority of his career working as um, a radio talk show host. That's his like real world day to day job, as it were. He's been doing that for thirty years or whatever. So he's just he takes that experience of being a radio show host and applies it to this interview format for forty k personalities. And it's um, it's it's a really good listen. And um, I, the best part about it for me is that it's uh, kind of like timeless content. So even though he's been mm. doing the show for a good couple of years now. You can go back and listen to all the interviews. It's not stuff that feels outdated because they're talking about, you know, eighth edition tactics or whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah, I highly advise going and checking that out. There's a great list of all different sort of you know content creators and personalities and 
game changers in the world of 40k hence the name hence the name it's almost like they thought about it <laughs> so yeah uh, i think that is everything for for this week and uh, at this moment in time i'm not quite sure what's going to be lined up for the next episode or exactly when it's going to be um because um i'm hopefully going to be moving house next week <laughs> so <laughs> There's going to be a lot of stuff getting packed up and put away in boxes and moved from A to B, and I don't know exactly how long it'll be until I'm set up again for another recording, but hopefully this will tide you guys over. It should only be maybe the usual two to three weeks, I'm hoping, between a, now and the next episode, but we'll see. Um, either case, uh, I'm going to have to go away and make a plan for it at some point and <laughs> work out what it's going to be, but uh, it's going to be a good time whatever it is so <laughs> thank you again to Vedans for joining me tonight no problem P pleasure as always and uh hopefully i haven't actually killed you this time no you're you're close um <laughs> it's closer it, every it, time every time it's like <laughs> the impending doom uh, so yes until next time, guys, this has been the Narrative Wargamer podcast, helping you to discover more ways to play 40 games.